0: Hey guys, this is Q Country Road Podcast. I'm Tyler Pepe.
1: I'm Brandon Cork, and this is the WVU Sports Podcast by two suffering WVU fans.
0: All right, so let's get into it. We are going to recap the Oklahoma Sooner game against WVU, and then we are going to preview the Texas Tech versus WVU game on Saturday. So let's get into the recap. The final was 16-13. to 13. Oklahoma beat WVU. Uh, this was... This was one where you're excited that we're able to hang with Oklahoma, but at the same time, this is one that didn't. it didn't feel good to get a moral victory here. We let one slip away. Oklahoma never led that entire game until the very end. Lots of missed opportunities. Uh, how did you feel about the game?
1: Uh, going into the game, if you had told me we would have lost 16-13 without any context, I would have been ecstatic. Um, but watching the game and how it unfolded and like you said us never trailing um it leaves it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth i mean it you know we had so many opportunities i think to put the game away um and our limitations offensively really just dug a hole for us um you know whether it's mistakes like false starts from the two-yard line missing open receivers in the end zone um, bad snaps or miscommunications on snaps whatever that was in the, the fourth quarter um, those are things you can't do um, especially in the, the one thing that I think is important too is whenever you're reducing the game to such a soap slow pace where you're not running too many plays so I think we only had three offensive drives in the um, second half so when you're only having three possessions you got to make the most of those and if you screw up once then you know those other two possessions, you're really pushing the score, and we didn't score – I think we, uh, I don't think we scored on any of them. We might have a field goal, but, you know, whenever you're reducing it to that slow of a pace, you got to optimize your chances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is um, – other than the LIU game, we have three points in the second half, versus Maryland, versus Virginia Tech, and versus Oklahoma. So, man, we – Every game we get off to a fast start, which is great. You definitely want to put points up early and make the other team try to catch up to you. But you can't have duds in the second half every single week and expect to win consistently.
1: I agree. Um, you know, the one thing that I noticed is that, um, especially on the offense, because that, that's kind of where I focused most when I was re-watching it, is that, you know, while we're trying to throw the ball downfield more, it's still not very successful, so um, I kind of lowered the bar for what I call a deep pass for Deggie, but um, anything over 10 yards is what I consider a deep pass, and he threw eight of those passes against Oklahoma. Two of them were completed. Um, on the short throws, though, he was 20 for 24, um, and 14 of those 24 passes were slants or p- passes to the flats. So it just kind of goes to show you that how limited the defense Deggy is. And even when he is attempting to throw downfield, you know, that 25% conversion rate, just I don't think it's enough to scare defenses to put two guys back and load up the box too much.
0: Yeah, I think Deggy has proven. I don't remember very much about um, the two years ago when he – played the second half of the season, but last year and this year, I think he's proven without a doubt the slant's his best uh, route. Uh, He has a lot of success with it. And if our wide receivers are catching it, he doesn't do bad, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't get the ball downfield. And I heard some, a lot of people saying that the two quarterback system was uh, throwing off the rhythm and they were blaming Neil Brown for making those decisions as to why we lost. I'm the exact opposite. I say dual quarterbacks is great and do it more. I don't I don't buy that excuse that it's throwing off rhythm and this and that. I mean, we were wasting timeouts in games earlier in the year when we were only using Daggy in there. So I, I think people are using that as an excuse. I say do it more because not only does Green provide a spark with his own abilities, but he elevates other people on the field. I had a feeling... Letty did a lot better when Green was in the game, and I asked you to get this stat for me. The stat is even—it's more amazing than I even thought it would be. Letty with Daggy in the game, he had 11 carries for 20 yards. That is a 1.8 yard average. With Green in the game, he had four carries for 36 yards, nine yards an average. And so these people who are saying don't do the dual quarterbacks—I'm sure they're saying just put Green in there full time, which. I could get behind, but honestly, I still think the best opportunity for us to win is to use both quarterbacks, and we need to get Green in there more. I mean, we went right downfield and scored on them, chewed up so much clock in that game on the first drive, and then the second drive, Green doesn't even see the field. I can't even wrap my head around that decision.
1: Here's my uh, favorite cherry pick stat that is completely irrelevant, but um, you know, for the Green lovers out there, they're going to love this, so... Third quarter, the entire quarter, Jared Deggie, nine plays, six passes for 29 yards, that's about five yards per pass, three rushes for 13 yards for the whole team, so about four yards per carry. Green played four plays. He had two passes for 15 yards, so about seven and a half yards per catch, more than Deggie, and two rushes for 22 yards, 11 yards per carry. Um, Obviously, that doesn't really mean much, but – you know in the grand scheme of things especially since green did have a fumble in the second quarter um he did only throw i think three passes um so you know it is a very cherry pick stat but um it does show you that he can throw some of those short passes too um I, i'm kind of more in the camp that you know if, if green's moving the offense don't feel compelled to put deggy back in there you know if deggy comes out there like he did against oklahoma by by all means keep on giving him the ball keep him in the game plan. But if there's, you know, if he's making mistakes, if he's, you know, the defense is taking away all those short routes, then I think you keep Green in there and make them kind of adapt and see if he can push the ball downfield a little bit more or even by the metric I shared before, pass the ball further than 10 yards downfield with, you know, some sort of accuracy. Even 40% is an improvement.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'd say give Green and Aggie longer time in the game when they are in. Don't be pulling them out every play and just going back and forth. I could see how that could throw off your rhythm a little bit. Maybe give Green an entire drive occasionally. And for all those people who say two quarterback systems don't work, I'm sure there's many examples you can point to that it doesn't. But all the examples that have proven that it can work, Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, work. They won a national championship. Landry Jones, Blake Bell, it worked. Even in Oklahoma State recently, they had Welsh and Rudolph there. And then even though these guys kind of transferred out, Hertz and Tua did it at Alabama. Lawrence and Kelly Bryant did it at Clemson. So, I mean, without a doubt, it can work. And I think our offense has been better since Neil Brown has been doing it. So, I don't know. There's people who are blaming Neil Brown for doing it and throwing off the rhythm, I say give him credit because not too many coaches uh, are willing to put in two quarterbacks as much as he has.
1: Yeah. I like what he's doing too. I think it's a smart way to do it. And he did run some um, two QB looks when he was at Troy. Um, so he has some experience with it, but he's also kind of in a tough situation too, where um, I don't think he fully trusts, trust Deggie. I mean, you could tell by, Um, You know, the play calling in that game where, um, let me pull up my stats here again, where he threw 14, there were 14 plays that were either slants or flat passes out of the 33 that were called. Um, Of those 14 slants, seven of those, half of them exactly went to Bryce Ford Wheaton, and those seven of those catches that Wheaton had, um, he had eight catches on the game, seven catches of those were slants. So obviously that was his game plan. Um, once he saw that Oklahoma couldn't guard that slant route, um, was throw the ball to, you know, Bryce Ford Wheaton on the outside, run the slant. And then once Oklahoma started biting down on that, that's when you started seeing Sam James getting a little bit, a little bit of those on the other side. Um, but you know, that's, you know, he worked with what he had, you know, if Deggie could throw another route, if there was something else he was doing consistently, I'm sure he would have called it. Um, but you know, I think it goes to show you that Brown's aware of the issues too. Um, and as you kind of saw with the green fumble, um, he was a little reckless with the ball. And I think that's what scares Neil Brown, because if you put green out there, he's loose with the ball or he tries to throw something downfield and fits something in a tighter window than what he should, um, you know, maybe two or three turnovers instead of Deggy's one. Um, and then we lose that game by more for sure, because then you're giving, Oklahoma more offensive possessions, which means that they're going to eventually figure out how to get the ball in the end zone. Um, So I agree. The two QB system, I think, is for sure, you know, the better way to go things for now. Um, I would kind of lean, like I think I said a couple weeks ago, towards the hot hand.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. The hot hand would be the way to go. Deggy again, throwing another interception that was very similar to the one at Maryland where I don't, I don't know if it's a miscommunication between him and the wide receiver. I mean, he's putting the ball in an area where only the defender can catch it and they're not difficult interceptions either. So, I mean, uh, I know green's going to make mistakes and maybe turn the ball over a little bit, but it's not like Daggy's exactly taking care of the ball every game either. I
1: agree. Uh, The one thing is um, I don't really think the pick was that bad. Um, kind of given the situation, it was third and I think long. Um, he was, yeah. you know, Brandon Worked Yates my like favorite. My uh, Brandon Yates my favorite offensive lineman. Let his guy go in un unblocked. Um, Jared Deggy just kind of threw it up and said, you know, either it's a punt or my receiver, you know, goes up and gets it. And it was a badly paced, placed ball, but you know, it might be better than a sack. Um, you know, considering. How kind of inconsistent our punting game has been, um so that's kind of the only way I would defend that. Um, it could have been worse,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it could always be worse, but yeah. it did kind of work out like a punt, but I mean, it just seems like he does that way too much, where he just throws it up and there's no one there except a corner a safety deep to I mean they could practically fair catch those interceptions. It's I don't know, it must be a miscommunication.
1: My theory is is that um, he watched that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, no-look, uh, game-winning touchdown pass from last season and um, put that on repeat, and that's kind of what he's trying to emulate this year.
0: <laughs> well, he is failing at it. So, uh, <laughs> kind of a, a bow on the quarterback situation. Yeah, I think Letty's been struggling. Um, I mean, obviously he had a lot of yards in the Virginia Tech game, but uh, if, if you get rid of that 80-yard run, I mean, I think Letty could be playing better, and I think Green could help a lot with that. Now, with the offensive struggles, our defense played amazing. Oklahoma only had 91 total yards in the first half. However, West Virginia only had 62 total yards in the entire second half on those three possessions. Now, I heard Neil Brown talking about it, and we even noticed it a little bit, too, when we were watching the game. It looked like Oklahoma's defense was possibly offside several plays and the refs weren't calling it until Neil Brown really got in their ear. So what did you think about that?
1: I noticed it too. I mean, they got, I think they had one offside penalty, but it seemed like, I don't know if it was the same guy or several, several of them who were, you know, off super quick. And it was borderline, I would say at least five or six times during the game. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, to the point of the running game, our running game is kind of limited. um, You know we run it seems like we're running a zone um and you know that relies a lot on your offensive lineman being mobile and agile and getting off blocks and if you're not quick um which you know if someone's jumping your count then that takes away that leverage of the the zone blocking game um so you know it kind of just throws a wrench in our whole thing and we don't run outside a lot i think we maybe ran three or four outside plays um outside of the option plays, which, you know, are kind of, you know, they can go inside or outside. But a lot of the plays that we're running are inside zone plays. And, um, you know, those offsides or near offsides just really blow things up.
0: Definitely. I was thinking that, too, that it does seem like we stay between the tackles a lot and maybe some stretch plays could open up uh, holes and opportunities for Letty to maybe cut back or, I don't know, when you're just consistently running between the tackles, like it's, you know, the seventies or something, and you're probably limiting what your running back can do out there.
1: Yeah, I mean it'd be nice. It's probably too late, you know, in the year, maybe before bye week you could make the switch, but you know, in a week basis you really couldn't make a switch to like an outside zone or a gap scheme. Um and I don't think our offensive linemen are good enough to do more of a power run scheme. Um, they'd be in the backfield even more than they are now. So um the zone is probably the best way to go, but um, I would like to see more stuff on the outside. And I think we even made a comment on that when we were watching the game where we did something to the outside and it, we got like a yard. And me and you were like, well, it was nice that they ran that, even though it didn't work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I always say that. You got to keep running even if it doesn't work because, like we keep saying, you can't rely on Daggy just to drop back and throw the ball three straight times and expect to – get first downs. I mean, eventually that's going to stall out. So even if the running game is struggling, you got to at least make them respect that a run could be happening. Um, let's talk about the defense a little bit. I don't have a ton to say. I mean, they are just Mr. Consistent. The defense has been great all year. Uh, they even had Oklahoma fans cheering for Caleb Williams to come in because we had Spencer Radler. So um, rattled out there. It, yeah. I mean, they, they're just phenomenal. Of course, up front, we've been great. We expected that coming into the season, but I've just been really impressed with how well the secondary has been playing and maybe that has to do a lot with the pressure we're getting up front, but the second, the secondary has been very good this year.
1: Yeah. And I think a huge thing is, is like you said, with the defensive line, we don't have to bring more than four. So that means we get to keep that additional help in the back. And you know, that, that, takes up areas of the field that the quarterback wants to throw to. And especially with someone like Rattler, who, you know, doesn't like pressure, but also um, does well against the Blitz, um, you know, you can get him running around out there and, and do pretty well. And, you know, that's kind of the area where something clicked with him, Rattler, in the fourth quarter when he led that comeback drive is he just started taking the, what the defense will give you. Um and that's kind of what ended up with those kind of two longer touchdown drives that they had as he was checking down, he wasn't trying to push the ball downfield. He was being conservative and that's kind of how you have to beat us. You have to beat us by a thousand cuts. Um, And we're not, we're going to bend and hopefully not break. That's kind of the Jeff Castile thing. And he is an analyst on the team. So I'm sure he has some sort of say in the game plan, but um, you know, having someone like a die in the back, he's, you know, exactly what the safety should be. He's the guy who's always there making plays when we need to. Um, Jackie Matthews has been incredible. Um, Defensive line has been incredible. You know, really the only two weak spots that I see um, are Chandler Samedo in the middle against passing plays. Um, He couldn't cover a phone booth. Um, And then the one guy who I'm kind of torn on is Scotty Young, who played every snap on Saturday, where... There are plays where it looks like he's taking the play off and he looks really bad, takes bad angles, misses tackles. And there's other plays where he looks like he's a top three player on our defense. Um, So he's someone who I'd like to see more consistency of, or if he's getting tired, you know, maybe put in some Kerry Martin. Um, But that's really the only thing that I would change.
0: Yeah. um, I like Jordan Leslie, our defensive coordinator, a lot. I think, uh, Neil Brown's been talking about that a lot in the past few weeks in his press conferences, that when he came to West Virginia, he saw um, a game plan that if he really built up a strong defense, it would help us compete in the Big 12. And I agree with that because it's a league that has explosive offenses. And when Dana Holgerson was here, that's that's really what he focused on. And although we had some good seasons under Dana, I mean, we can't keep up with, like, the people Oklahoma and, Texas are going to recruit. And so I think going for a defensively strong team is is uh, the way to go. I thought that was a good strategy. But, man, it's, it seems like we're, we're here saying the same exact thing every week. We started off fast, and then the offensive faded in the second half, and the defense was great all game. I just – I don't know if it's coaching because I feel like if you have the same exact issues week in and week out that – I mean, that that's more on the coaches than the players.
1: Um, I think, you know, to, to the point of the defensive strategy, I think it kind of fits the way that Neil Brown wants to, to run the thing. I, I honestly do think that he would rather have a better offense than what he has, but we're re- relying heavily so, on the defense in the run game because, you know, I think the game plan going into this was keep the ball out of Oklahoma, Oklahoma's hands um, when they do have the ball. You know, don't give them deep shots. Keep everything in front of you. Um, and, you know, I think that strategy works, especially when you're the underdog. Um, that's what he did when he was at Troy against, like, Nebraska and LSU. You know, limit the possessions, turn it into a dogfight, and hopefully you can squeak out something. Um, the problem is I think our offense is just so limited. Um, young offensive line you know, a, a fifth-year senior who can't throw down, downfield and then your other options are redshirt freshman who can run really well, but, you know, still lots of questions around his arm. Um, I mean, I, I like our skill position players, but the offense is just, you know, I think this is the worst offense we've had. And I, I i don't even know when, maybe when we had Shane Lewis at quarterback, am I, am I missing someone?
0: <laughs> Brad Lewis, I remember Brad Lewis. Yeah, Brad Lewis. yep oh yeah I remember those days um yeah I mean that you you brought up a good point too we're we're just seeing green come in and doing a lot of running plays I would love for them to just open up the playbook with green and maybe put and they have had five wide packages with them but it's normally draws which of course hey man if, if they're leaving the middle of the field open do it he's got good legs but I would really like to see Neil Brown and the offense just open up when Green's out there, and let's see what he can do. I mean, eventually, you got to test the kid.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to see some more of those option um, run sorts of plays, or uh, the option pass plays, like kind of like what we did in the red zone where um, he faked the handoff and he had those two dump-offs to Winston Wright. Um, I thought those were really good, nice plays. And I, I think he could do yeah. that all game, and then it opens up the deep pass.
0: Yeah, 100%. You got anything else on Oklahoma? Or are we ready to move on?
1: Um, I don't think I really have anything. Um, You know, the only other thing I wanted to note was, you know, kind of the target distribution. Um, Wright, Winston Wright actually led the team in targets with 10, but he only ended up with 65 yards. 41 of those yards were off uh, deeper passes. Um, so he was Deggie's preferred deep threat. Um And then Sam James actually got some reps this game. Um, unlike last game, he got seven targets, five catches, 21 yards. I like seeing him out there because I do think he's one of our more explosive receivers. Um, so, you yeah, know, it really made me happy to see him get more snaps because I think he deserves them the way he's been playing this year.
0: I absolutely agree. He's actually shocked me with how well he's improved this year, it seems like. And he's not having those drop problems that – has really been his biggest Achilles heel, it seems like, these past couple years.
1: Yeah, 100% agree.
0: All right, let's move on to the Texas Tech game. That is going to be a three thirty game and Morgantown on Saturday. West Virginia is a seven-point favorite. Um, looking at Texas Tech, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for this game because it, we're just complete opposites. Texas Tech, of course, every year, they're a big offensive team. And they're a defense that gives up a lot of points, and we're the exact opposite. So I think it's a great matchup, and I think it's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I think this is a game that we should win easily. Um, that was before I kind of looked at the stats. Um, I looked at the stats a little bit and um, pumped pump the brakes a little bit. I still think we can win. But the stats that worried me the most were that um, their first four games um, were Houston – Stephen F. Austin, FIU, Texas. Um, Against Houston, Houston averaged 2.2 yards per rush. Stephen F. Austin averaged 1.1 yards per rush. And FIU averaged 1.9 yards per rush. Now, Texas averaged 6.5 yards per rush, but that's Texas. So um, Texas has Texas athletes, while the other three don't. So I don't know if that means anything. Um, What do you think?
0: Yeah, um, I found a lot of interesting stuff. I saw they were talking about this in the press conference. I wish I could shout out the reporter, but, um, I missed who asked this, but he, he brought up a stat. He said Texas Tech has, um, nine plays of 50 or more yards, which is, I think it's leading or very close to leading the NCAA. So they're a big explosive play team, which, um, you know, we were worried about this in, like, the Virginia Tech game and stuff like that, and our defense was able to shut that down. So I think that would be a big factor because I, I don't see Texas Tech being a team that's just going to chip away at us and eat up clock. It's going to be whether our defense can limit those big plays. Um, for a team like this, they don't give up a lot of sacks either. That's the big thing. Even though they have these big explosive plays, they don't give up a lot of sacks at oh, They get rid of the ball real quick. and. Um, Tyler Shuck is out and now Columbia's B's in. He killed us last year. That was, you know, one of Daggy's worst games last year it was against Texas tech. And we had fits with Columbia, B, especially with his legs. Um, so it's it, again, I'm really intrigued with this game. It's interesting that he's coming in. He had 14 yards. Yeah. He, he had 14 yards per attempt last week and over 300 yards versus Texas. Now, A lot of that might have been, you know, just garbage yards at the end because Texas was up by a ton real early. Um, But, I mean, they definitely have a lot of weapons. Number 13, I think it's uh, the the Yukama or something. I mean, I don't want to like... I have him in my news. Yeah, as Yukama, he's... He's a great player, but he had a great first two games this year. His last two games, he didn't really do a whole lot. And then you have Geiger, who's the exact opposite, number ten for them. He had he didn't do a whole lot this first two games. Last two games his stats have been great. Uh so yeah. I'm really intrigued to watch this game.
1: I mean it definitely seems like um slow or slok or however you say his name is really like to target um yeah. Yeah. Izukama or however you say that. Um, I think the first two games he had like 50 or uh, 12 or 13 catches or something crazy um, combined. He did have, um, I think he had seven catches against Texas, but Texas, I think he only put up like 50 yards, so they kept the lid on. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's something WVU can do. Um, I think it's an interesting matchup because, you know, Texas Tech, um, outside of I think their first two games – they haven't ran the ball extremely well. So as long as, you know, we can focus on the pass, keeping the the top on and, you know, forcing them to play underneath. Um, You know, we did a good job against Rattler, I think, when he was scrambling. We did a good job against Burmeister, against Virginia Tech, so it seems like we've improved against scrambling quarterbacks. Um, And hopefully, just by our play style of, you know, shutting down a team's offense, for the most part, maybe puts them out of a rhythm a little bit and kind of gives us a little bit of an edge. Um, I am concerned, like I said, about their rush defense because it looks like it's pretty solid. Um, I also looked at, you know, how running quarterbacks do against that so that, you know, maybe this is a game for green and they're even good against them. So Houston had a quarterback who uh, ran 13 times, 28 yards. Um, Texas' Thompson He had seven rushes for 29 yards. So running quarterbacks aren't even that successful against them. So this might be a Deggy game, which worries me, but maybe this is something he can get back on track with too.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And again, that's another reason why it's good to have two quarterbacks in there because, you know, they both have different strengths. Uh, You brought up Texas Tech's rushing attack. I was looking at that as well. And even though Texas Tech's always the team that passes, a lot. I mean, they average more, a lot more rush yards than we do. They average 160 a game. We only average 117. And uh, the biggest eye-opener for me with that is they average over 5 yards, 5.08 yards a carry, which is awesome. We only average 3.75. Um, So they definitely have an explosive offense. And then every week I bring up the turnovers. They actually have eight turnovers just like we do for the year. Um, However, they have six takeaways, whereas we only have three. So it will be interesting to see, um, you know, how that counterbalances, whether, you know, the turnovers are even, whether their run game beating our run game is the difference. It's going to be interesting.
1: I, I think the Oklahoma game is a great lead into this game too, because, you know, you think Oklahoma, you think fast paced, tons of plays, and that's how Texas Tech wants to play too. So, You know, even though we ended up losing to Oklahoma, we kept it close and we proved that that game plan works. Um, So I think going into this game where Texas Tech obviously wants to play fast, they want to get a lot of, you know, plays out there, maximize their chances to get yards. Um, You know, that, that means our team shouldn't get frustrated whenever we're not scoring points, you know. And that also means that the other team has to play at, our pace, which, you know, I think that's something else that it had to throw off Rattler and that offense too was against Oklahoma was that they weren't getting to play at their pace. They weren't getting to, you know, go out in a shootout and keep their rhythm. You know, they had to sit for long periods. They had to, you know, had three and outs and had to wait. Um, you do the same thing against other big 12 teams, like, you know, your Texas techs, you know, Baylor, things like that. It could throw them off the rhythm and then, you know, who knows what can happen?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that should be a point of emphasis every game for us is to chew up a lot of clock and keep our defense fresh. Because honestly, I think that was uh, the biggest issue in the second half for our defense last game is after a while, they just got tired because we weren't chewing up as much clock as we did in the first half. Um, just to emphasize even more how we are complete opposites of Texas Tech. I, we say every week, we're fast starters, and then we fade. Texas Tech seems to be the opposite. They And they don't really put up a whole lot of points in the first quarter. However, late in the second quarter and into the second half is where they have, you know, almost all of their points. And so it'll be interesting to see if we jump out to a big lead. Uh, I wouldn't get too comfortable because if we fade away, I mean, Texas Tech has proven that they, they can score a lot of points quick.
1: Yeah, and they were down 21-7 to Houston at halftime. Scored 31 unanswered, um, albeit Houston, while being 3-1, and one, has beaten um, one non-FBS school and two teams who haven't won a game yet. So, um nice. It's hard to say how good Houston is. And they were losing to Stephen F. Austin, which isn't even an FBS team at halftime. They were losing uh, 13-6, and they had to come back and win it in the second half. So, um and FIU... um Isn't FIU the team who also beat down on um, Long Island before we did? So I think you're right. (laughs) That just kind of gives you the level of competition that Texas Tech has played. And I'm really hoping that that Texas game um, was kind of a you know just kind of shows you what their level of talent is against real um, power five teams is. So. you know, this could be a game, you know, maybe we actually crack 30 points and win by double digits. Um, That would be my ideal outcome for the game. And I think it's realistic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's realistic as well. I mean, uh, we're home, which I mean, you don't want to put too much like stock into that. These, These guys have played a lot of football games in their careers. However, I mean, they're still kids. They're still college players. I think that, that is a big advantage when you don't have to travel. You're playing on a field you're familiar with. You got crowds cheering for you. So uh, I agree. I, I want to see WVU come out here and, you know, for once, we just have a nice, like, relaxing win where we don't just fade in the second half and we're biting our nails all the way to the end.
1: Yeah, and I think this is a game that if we can get control of early, like you said, we can try to try out some things that, you know, you can't try out against Oklahoma or Virginia tech. Um, and you don't really want to share against an LIU either. So, um, you can go out there and do something different, you know, do some more, maybe jet, jet actions, some, you know, more screenplays, um, you know, different route types. I, I don't know, just different ways of being creative with the offense. And maybe you let green throw a little bit more just to kind of get him into rhythm, feeling good. Um, without blowing the game. Now, the one thing that does concern me about playing at home is if, you know, green starts out hot and they do the rotation. Is the crowd going to get mad when Deggy goes back in? If Deggy, you know, starts inconsistent, are they going to do what Oklahoma fans did to, to Rattler and chant the backup's name? I don't want to see that. Um, I don't, you know, either. and, you know, WV fans are just like a lot of other fans in the country where they're going to be quick to, start a chant, Um, so I'm hoping we we hold off until, you know, someone actually does something that's benchable worthy, like throwing multiple picks um, in one game or tons of turnovers, making bad decisions. Um, So I don't think either of them deserve to have greatly reduced playing time at this point in time.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I even saw someone tweeting about that earlier. It's the one thing they don't want to see Saturday is the crowd just all in unison (laughs) <laughs> you know, booing and chanting for Deggy to come out. I'm with you. I mean it's a bad look. These these guys they're still young. Uh I get being passionate. I get booing when you don't like what you're seeing, but I mean you gotta you gotta be a little reasonable too. And I mean, who knows? We might have recruits this weekend. People are watching us, and you know, that's a bad look just for the whole fan base for the whole school. So yeah, I'm with you. I hope we don't see that on Saturday. All right, you got anything else?
1: No, that was uh, all I had for Texas Tech.
0: Yeah, same here. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. So uh, let's wrap this up then. This is the Q Country Roads podcast, and we will be back here next week um, to recap this game and then preview the following game. So we will see you guys later. I'm Tyler Pepe. I'm Brandon
1: Cork, and thanks for listening.